0: Good morning everyone or good afternoon wherever you are in the world my name is justin really good to see you i'm joined here today by dan scarlett the professor solder school of business who's expert in uh, leadership and organizational development and we're here today to talk about managing in time of a crisis and what COVID 19 has meant for leadership has meant for management and so please uh join me in thanking me dan for being here and thank you dan for for taking the time uh to connect with me today so i i want to start with uh just a, a, a bold question, a big question, but what advice would you have for, for people leading through a crisis?
1: Well, uh, one of the key things to remember is, is, as a scientist, we first look at what the research shows. And there's a considerable amount of research in this area, and it's been in healthcare, uh, but lots of different healthcare crises, Ebola and SARS. There's been Challenger disasters. There's been studies of uh, chemical spills and, and natural disasters, Katrina and so on. Uh, and as well as the military. So um, it's an important area of study to understand how uh, crises works. And uh, the other reason is of course this, uh, although COVID is here, it's probably not the last crisis that you're gonna face as a leader as you develop into your leadership. But importantly, uh, this research shows that there are certain things that leaders do in a crisis, do more of and less of and differently in a crisis, than they do at other times uh, when we call it peacetime. So, for example, Sir Winston Churchill was a hero, at least to some people, during wartime, but eventually was voted out of office. So, bear in mind that there, it is different; it is unique. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, the message I want to give you is that how uh, how you respond to these challenges uh, defines who you are as a leader. And in a crisis, leaders show up. And there seems to be at least three things to keep in mind from this uh, summary of this literature. First is to take action. So observers need to know that you understand that there's a problem, you take it seriously, and you're taking steps to resolve the problems. Uh, And so we saw this in Adam Silver, who was the president of the NBA, and uh, Jacinda Ardern, from New Zealand prime minister, these people moved very quickly, made quick decisions and out of an abundance of caution. Mm. But you've really got to go to your team. You got to make sure that you understand what information you need, who you need on that team. You need their input and you need their buy-in. The second thing is about managing uncertainty. By that, I mean leaders need to work at reducing its impact. The psychological science on uncertainty in these times is that uncertainty drives fear, human judgment deteriorates, Uh, fear restricts our information processing, Uh, biases are rampant, we engage in what's called a confirmatory bias trap where we uh, get entrenched in our previous conditioning, Uh, a threat rigidity response where our fear can narrow our focus and we engage in survival mode. And it's very difficult, to, very difficult to mentally concentrate, and we can experience aggravation, and it can really deplete uh, your resources. So you need to know as a leader that that's what's going on, not only for your staff or your company, but also what's happening for you. You have to take uh, special steps to kind of make sure that you're aware of it. How do you reduce uncertainty? Uh, three things. Uh, one is make sure that you provide people information, uh, let them know what's going on, keep them um, informed of what's uh, what's transpiring. But information is not enough. Uh, people experience a tremendous amount of emotion and fear, as I said, uh, and there's, there's this thing called emotional contagion. And uh, as a leader, you need to realize is that you are setting the tone for your company. And, Uh, When you can imagine a flight attendant and how he or she looks in a panic, well, you as a leader are the flight attendant, Uh, and and you need to take steps to provide a sense of hope, a sense of efficacy, a sense of resilience, and a sense of optimism, uh, which combine to form what we call psychological capital. As leaders, again, you need to keep an open and even emotional keel to help people understand that we have a plan. And it's surprisingly important that in a deep crisis, like we're experiencing, people need to send a sense of routine.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, There's uh, studies of soldiers in Afghanistan just uh, waiting to uh, go into a a war type uh, context and their leader made a checklist, said, all right, here's what I want you to do. We want you to get up, brush your teeth, eat, check your equipment and help people understand first things first. The, of course, leaders need to be very cautious and aware of their, they need to provide communication, continuous communication. You need to craft a narrative consistent with your values, appeal to your history. Uh, we've done this before. We're going to survive, but explain not only the decisions that you're making, but not only how you're doing them, but why. And of course you need to chunk the information up because people just simply can't take a lot of, a lot of information at once. More importantly, and here's what's different about a crisis, is that during a crisis, your leadership style and what's effective changes. What people need is authoritative and directive style with non-ambiguous language. Uh, but when the surge subsides, and it always does, sometimes even momentarily, they need to demonstrate consideration, listening, empathy. And so what, what we call this in the leadership research is research is ambidexterity. You cannot be a unidimensional leader. And we've seen this in example of Dr. Bonnie Henry, who is BC mm-hmm. Provincial Health Officer, who demonstrated a deep caring, uh, open heartedness, uh, but some very clear direction. The last thing that leaders need to do is to try to understand what's coming, what's ahead. Crisis creates changes both inside and outside your company. Things will be different airports are different since 9/11 your priorities will differ your relationships will differ so the key thing that i want you to take away from this is that you never let a crisis go to waste this is an crises provide uh, opportunities to clarify what's important to you and who you are as a leader
0: hmm. that's so that's fantastic i love that that framing of like what do you do more of what do you do less of and what do you do differently and i really appreciate that And that seems to be from those individuals who are like in that decision-making position and sort of a more authoritative position. But what about folks who are sort of still climbing the ladder earlier on in their career? I'm curious what the research might show about how to either be a leader as a colleague or perhaps a leader just of a smaller team. And what's it like to to manage up maybe in your leadership in the time like this?
1: That's such a great question because uh, leadership is not a position. Leadership Mm -hmm. is not a title. Leadership is a verb. It's what people do uh, that that demonstrates leadership so everyone in the organization can demonstrate leadership. And in a crisis, this is an opportunity for people throughout the company to step up. And there's a theory called leader-follower theory is where leaders often become followers and followers become leaders. So this crisis provides a rare opportunity for people to step up, to take initiative, to solve problems, to provide workarounds. And one of the things that I I like to keep in mind is that effective leaders hold a place for others to lead. And if you've got somebody who's particularly adept at managing high crisis situations and and enabled to to triage situations, they should be in a leadership position during the crisis and give them the opportunity to do that. And as Martin Luther King Jr. has said, uh, is known for saying is, it's not what a person does when, in times of good. It's when the chips are down and it's unstable and there's, there is uh, instability. Uh, that's how, what defines you as, as a person and as a leader. So
0: you don't have to be the top of the organization to demonstrate leadership. Mm. So could you give us maybe some, I, I love that, that framing and that, that sort of, that aspirational idea that leadership's not a position and you can be at multiple levels and it's about stepping up in a time of crisis. But what does, what does that look like? Like in, in the workplace, as part of a team, uh, what, what is that kind of behavior, what's, what are good examples of it? Well, I
1: think we Most importantly, uh, no matter where you are in the organization, you need to understand what the values of the company, of the organization, what are the most important things? And in particular, during the crisis, what's the most important thing Hmm. that we need to think about and find ways to do that? And for example, at the Sauter School of Business, when everything... Uh, came down and lockdown showed up, we had a number of new leaders emerge and say, listen, we need to change how we do business. We need to move to more virtual platforms. And we now have all kinds of volunteers coming through the woodwork saying, listen, I think I can help over here. I can help over there. So really, it's about understanding what's the most important thing uh, that how you can help and just take initiative and share that information and be willing to uh, volunteer your ideas. Uh, they, they may not take hold because there's a lot of uh, conflicting priorities, but find ways, new ways, workarounds to be able to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. So I, I'm curious if you could expand on one of the earlier ideas you introduced, which was these confirmatory like bias traps and the kind of psychological traps that you get stuck in, in almost, I guess, a fight or flight response in, in, in something as, as crazy and intense as COVID. And COVID is is so different than previous crises in that it's just like ongoing thing with no, it, 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 you know, no endpoint in sight yet anyways. And I, I'm, I'm curious, like what kind of uh, techniques, What is there anything the research has shown in terms of, mindfulness or presence or awareness or habits? you talked about the, the the soldiers in Afghanistan who have that kind of routine because how do we like demonstrate I suppose almost internal leadership like keeping yourself on track, setting yourself up for uh, not just succumbing to the fear and of the of a pandemic, but also figuring out okay, how do I contribute uh, in whatever small way I can in my organization or at home or with my friends or with my family? I'm, I'm curious what other traps are are out there that we should be aware of. Well, in
1: interestingly, when a crisis hits, people's antenna are up mm. and uh, whether you're a formal leader or a leader in other sense in your organization, people are watching what you do. Mm. Um, so keeping an even emotional keel is real important because the last thing we need, excuse me, in a panic and in these kinds of settings is for people to get really emotionally upset and that just simply feeds the it's like adding gasoline to a fire Mm. Uh, by doing that but uh, coming to the uh, confirmatory bias trap we tend to entrench ourselves in our old ways so an example of that might be uh, we tend to we've always suffered uh, uh, chronically in organizations of being worried about our own Situation, our own silo, and silos can become even worse if you uh, if you stay entrenched in what's most important. And when I'm working in, for example, in with physicians uh, that in, I care about surgery, or I care about um, uh, uh, psychiatry, or I become really entrenched in my own division, when it becomes really critical, is to take a broader view and think about what's happening across. Uh, these uh, organizations that we can use? Uh, what, what? How do I take a bigger view and make sure that I'm not um, uh, just getting stuck in my old ways? Because as you know, there's not a lot of old ways uh, that are going to be surviving through the COVID.
0: Mm-hmm. Excellent. I want, I want to pivot a little bit to this the organizations. And you gave all these interesting examples of organizations and leaders that you thought did really well, like the NBA or Bonnie Henry or Jacinda Arden. Uh, but I'm curious if you, just as a observer of what's been going on in the world and in the business community, have seen some real stumbles in leadership. If you've seen some counter examples, like what not to do, how not to behave, uh, whether at an organizational level, maybe even at political level, I'm not—I don't want to put you on the spot to comment on anyone's politics, but just curious if there's any lessons that you can that you've been learning uh, watching this unfold over the last couple months.
1: Well, the uh, the COVID. Uh, crisis is particularly important because we have uh, uh, we don't know a lot, and uh, there's there's still a lot we don't know uh, going forward. But the importance of listening to the science, uh, and, and the science, as you know, is isn't looking. At, even infectious diseases are having a difficult time catching up to what's going on. So what we're seeing is backing up in the process. And we're seeing effective response by going to the population health, which is Dr. Bonnie Henry has been saying. Listen, we don't know. We don't know when we're going to get a vaccine, but here's what we know about diseases and how they spread. Mm-hmm. And so you go to what you know uh, that is going to be true in these uh, situations. What I don't like to see is where and and this solution works if a hundred percent of the people do their physical distancing 100% of the time, and we can we can stop this uh, virus very, very quickly. The trouble is that people don't do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And for if, if various reasons, uh, and examples are uh, restaurants that stayed open, even though the lockdown said you can't, and then mm-hmm. as a result, we get an additional spreading. So it's really about repositioning um uh, 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 what you're doing and recognizing that there's a bigger picture that we need to solve before we can actually uh, get go back to business,
0: whatever that business looks like. Hmm. Hmm. So I think uh, it's fair to say this is a, probably an unprecedented crisis for business. I don't think we've ever seen a confluence of demand destruction and change in business model and change in consumer sentiment and change in political uh, environment and supply. Like, it's just unprecedented. And is there anything you've seen from from good leadership, from good management, from strong leadership that you think will actually help us attack future crises more effectively? Like, is there is there something to be learned here about how we should approach the climate crisis or the, the sort of the, the, our general approach to sustainability, or maybe put set aside sustainability and climate, just in business leadership in general? Do you think like this is going to be one of these turning points where? Our, our vision and understanding the leadership might actually evolve.
1: Well, there's, there is a tremendous amount to be learned from the COVID uh, crises and um, that can re- generalize to other kinds of crises, such as the climate crises and so on. And that is effectively managing these kinds of crises re- requires that we redraw the circle around our stakeholders mm. And the the uh, the day of the where the CEO can kind of run things from an ivory tower, uh, without now having in, to engage a number of different stakeholders is just nonsense. Hmm. And so it's really about expanding the stakeholders and understanding how we stand to gain to collectively. And complexity, and when it gets things get complex, we have to realize is that our solutions come from the relationships that we have been able to make in our, in our solution finding. And so we see that uh, in, even in the climate crisis, we see effective solutions are coming out, uh, are, are being derived by in, in including a number of different stakeholders and bringing them to the table to understand what m- uh, improving uh, looks like but it, it's a stakeholder approach, so it's a switch in mindset from uh, bureaucracy and hierarchy to relationships. Mm. And your effectiveness in this situation depends on the relationships that you're able to build uh, with your with all the stakeholders who are affected with by your uh, by your crises. <laughs>
0: And and I suppose to add on to that, so building a bigger tent, moving away from structure towards multi stakeholder relationship management, but also listen to the scientists. Absolutely, I, I think absolutely that, that that that's a really vital one. So I, I think I, thank you for sharing that. Now, do you, do you think that's something that like the business community is going to learn from? And it, you know and it's going to stick with them. And there's going to be this newfound sort of consciousness for empathetic leadership and ambidextrous leadership and f- creating structure and routine and listening. And, or are, are you a little worried that we're going to, we're going to manage through this crisis and then we'll revert back to some kind of business as usual. And, and, and the lesson is lost. Cause you, you did say earlier, you know, the, the crisis is an opportunity, but how long are people really willing to listen to that opportunity? Does, does their patience run out? Are they going to, are they going to get sick of being in a crisis and just kind of forget that, you know, I, I suspect there's probably almost a collective desire to pretend that a lot of this is not even happening. And as soon as we can pretend and as soon as it's behind us, just ignore it and not plan for the next pandemic or not plan for the next crisis. So I, I wonder with, with that idea in mind that like, what if we don't really learn from it? What, what can we do to hold on to that? Like, how do we, uh, one, there's a sort of, I guess, this almost like a psychological window that we're in right now as leaders and in the business community that we can take advantage of. But two, is there any kind of technique that we can use to extend that window uh, to continue to provide that kind of thought leadership that that we know the world needs?
1: Well, you know, in my view, in my understanding of leadership and the research uh, that I've been in for, for uh, a couple of decades now, we've always known that effective leadership is not about command and control, mm. and it's much more than that. And what makes me optimistic is that we've finally seen uh, there that uh, a different style of leadership is necessary and uh, that effective leadership is about being transparent and effective leadership is about being authentic to who you are as a leader.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And And so now the world has seen it. and we've seen how bumbling idiots in some cases, make terrible decisions and lives are lost. So what's helpful about this, uh, situation is that the world sees it. Now Mm. it's not just something that we've seen a company live or die because they had poor leadership. Now we can see it uh, worldwide. And, uh, now your question about how long this is, whether this is going to have a fade, I think these things normally do, because I think we we year have a yearning mm-hmm. for the way things were when they were great, mm-hmm. uh, and so as a pro- as a practice, one of the things I'm discovering in my own work, in my own personal uh, uh, work, is. Um, the ancient practice of stoicism which is to really uh begin to appreciate what we have mm-hmm. because it's there's no guarantees that these things are going to be around for a long time uh we can't these luxuries that we've enjoyed and having a nice uh cappuccino at a coffee shop those kinds of things aren't uh, can't be taken for granted mm-hmm. now how long that endures is really uh in the crystal ball but i think in the in the in the uh immediate future, we'll start looking uh, at it differently. Mm-hmm. The one thing I would say is that w- w- the crisis is going to be around for a while. And I think what we need to do uh, as leaders is whatever we're going to do, we have to move quickly while the, while the fire is hot, because mm-hmm. you're right. I think over the months and years that follow, uh, this will begin to fade like other crises have, like typhoid fever. We don't even remember it. Mm-hmm. Uh, World War II, we, without the pictures, we don't remember it. And so we, ha- we owe it to ourselves to try to build a institutional memory of, of what, uh, what we've learned. And I, I, and I think here's a, here's, a, here's a challenge for leaders that I would think would be helpful is to be sure to harvest the lessons learned as you're learning them. Mm-hmm. Too often we're fighting the fires and realizing and we and the the crisis leaves us, and we kind of forgot to remember what was going on. So by documenting and being able to harvest the lessons learned, I think that will uh, go a long ways to help us uh, keep in mind uh, what's at stake here.
0: Mm. I, lo- I love that idea of institutional memory, and and I certainly think there's there's going to be businesses who learn learn a lot from this and hold on to this i think business schools are gonna are gonna learn a lot from this because our business has been so disrupted so much change and in, in in our leadership there's probably gonna be some businesses that maybe don't learn much at all because you know like amazon is just be like this is great for us we're just scaling hasn't really changed our business models just made the opportunity bigger uh but I, I do like that. It sounds like you miss your cappuccino. So perhaps you share with us just just briefly, because this has impacted everyone, every person, not just in our professional lives, but in our personal lives in so many different ways. And I'm curious, what's what's the thing that uh, COVID has taken away that you're missing most? Is it that cappuccino? It, How has it impacted you?
1: Well, um, surprisingly, I'm finding there's a very positive uh, mm. side to it, and I think we all are, is that this, this uh, lockdown has given me time of space, time for reflection, perspective taking, priority setting. Uh, as the ancients have described, it's only when the pool of water is quiet can you see the bottom. Mm-hmm. So I've been able to do some self reflection and try to understand what's important for me. And uh, in particular, being spending time with family actually has really contributed to that. Mm-hmm. The second thing, though, is that we're seeing, as in your work, I know, is we're observing that the environment has the capacity to heal itself.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so now we're seeing a glimpse of what's possible. And that's very, very exciting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But of course, third, I'm, I'm discovering the amazing things that we can do with technology. And so this COVID has really forced my hand for both work and my loved ones. I'm spending much more time with family who are spread out, spread out around the world. So that's been a bit of an
0: epiphany for me. Mm. So I'm excited to see what's yet to come. So those are, I guess those are all things from the COVID reality that, you, that we hope sort of sustain ourselves in, in, into the, whatever comes next in the next chapter here. Excellent. Well, I mean, uh, from my perspective, that's a wonderful overview of, of what you can do at the high level, what you can do at the mid-level, how you can manage this at home, what we can hold on to leaders and try and pull into the next crisis. So Dan, I just want to say thank you for, for taking the time here today to, to chat with us and chat with the students and uh, share your perspectives on leadership. It's been a pleasure.
1: It's my pleasure. Thank you very much, Justin.